Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. KC Boyce, my co-host here at Pont City. How's it going? It's good. It's great to be with this group here that's out. It's a beautiful day celebrating Earth Day here at Pont City Market. KC, we've got a lot of different booths over there. We've got Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I mean, that's a platinum lead facility. The Georgia Forestry Association and about 150 other booths. Tim, I was over at uh, Atlanta United game the other day, and Mercedes-Benz Stadium is trying to get to zero waste. So you can only compost or recycle there, which is really phenomenal when you think they can fit 70,000-plus people in that stadium. Yeah, in my house, with solar, with EVs, this technology, it makes you think about it more than you normally would. day like today, where it's so beautiful out, and I, I wish we could describe this through the radio for our listeners, it's just the perfect spring bluebird day here in, in Atlanta. This is what we're we're caring about, right, is this kind of climate for us and our kids and our grandkids and just making sure that they can enjoy this the way that we do. Yeah, we've got Alden Hathaway from Sterling Planet. Alden, how did Sterling Planet get its name? A Sterling Planet was named for the Sterling Planet that we are here to care for. Uh, You know, our Lord gives us the direction to take care of this planet. It's a beautiful planet. So Sterling Planet came to be in an organization named by our chairman and to be Sterling Planet to help make it possible for people to take environment in their care when they buy energy, when they uh, seek to be carbon neutral. You know, that's something you don't hear much uh, along uh, the lines of Earth Day is talking about the creator and and how God set things into motion. Is that important to you and Sterling Planet? Well, it is important to our chairman. It's important to me. I was raised in a clergy family, taught that uh, we need to care for Earth, that we need to put back for the Earth what we've taken out and preserve it for our our children and grandchildren. I have four grandchildren. So I can see the Lord's faith on me being played through that as we keep this place as pristine as we can. Casey, you know, um, we've been doing radio together for many years uh, as an evangelical. Being a good steward of the environment is what motivates me. It's not that I worship the planet. It's not that I am that concerned about the resiliency of the planet because I believe God created a very resilient globe that we're on. I think we are called to take care of the environment that we have. You know, I'm not an evangelical, uh, you know, I'm not uh, someone who's of deep faith, you know, unlike you and and Alden. You know, one of the things that struck me a couple of years ago, I was talking to a good friend of mine who now is working in sustainability in the hospitality space, and we were on a long car ride together, and we were talking about kind of our perspective on things, and I came to realize, he he was, uh, he's a Catholic, uh, he's someone of deep faith, and I came to realize that even though I am not someone of that deep a faith, that we care about the same thing. And I think that's true here of the three of us at the the table. You know, you guys are, uh, you know, obviously men of faith. I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, in in the same way that you are, but we care about the same things when it comes to sustainability here. Casey, thinking about that creative way to fund the organizations, because it's always a challenge figuring out how to fund this stuff, because as much as we promote EVs and solar, at the end of the day, money does matter to most people. Absolutely. And that's been one of the things that we've seen, um, you know, 
kind of globally in this space is that not only are there things like what Alden's talking about with Greencom, a lot of banks are starting to really put some emphasis on, you know, where is it that they're investing their money, right? Um, Their depositors' money or their investors' money. And so this is the whole kind of environmental social governance uh, piece. And financing really is the key, right? Because, you know, if we think about some of the big sustainability challenges on the planet, we largely have the technologies we need. This isn't an R&D problem, Tim. This is a deployment problem. And so that takes public policy, yes. It takes money, most certainly. And so these kinds of creative ways of financing are, are a way to really move the ball on that. Alden Sterling worked with a lot of Fortune 500 companies and others. What kind of questions are they asking about carbon offsets today? Are they wanting the offsets or are they wanting the actual green technology uh, you know, in their backyard, on their roof? So a lot of businesses are, are, are taking on the challenge of what we call science-based targets. I was just talking to one of our paper mill companies based here in Georgia. Science-based targets are what they're after. They, they're getting to carbon neutrality every way they can do it and it includes it doesn't mean eliminating their energy use it doesn't mean eliminating their processes what it does mean is finding ways to do it that sequester or reduce carbon in how they do it so for example um, a a pulp and paper mill company may use natural gas for the uh, for the part of the processes that it uses well it can source renewable natural gas now from anaerobic digestion systems what sterling planet does is we work with those anaerobic digester companies organizations to help bring them in and provide them the renewable generation attribute status they need so that those can then be used in the marketplace continuing on they're also following what we call uh, the greenhouse gas protocol to reduce carbon offsets completely not just in scopes one which is your direct energy use or scope two which is through your electric use but scope three which means all of your consumers and your suppliers helping them reduce their carbon footprints and that's where we see a connection point in the green community because we're working with businesses to help their consumers reduce their carbon footprint. Casey, getting involved with some kind of digester project where you're taking cow manure or pig manure or chicken litter and you're and you're getting the organisms in that it requires to eat that and then burp out that methane, collect that methane, clean it, put it in the pipeline. That is no easy task. No, that sounds like a lot of fun, eating and burping and yeah. <laughs> Alden, I'm really curious, you know, we're giving you your, your description. So in, in the work that we do, we see businesses being increasingly kind of concerned about their energy use and, and around sustainability targets in particular, and it's becoming more core to their strategy. And it sounds to me like that's part of what you're seeing at Sterling Planet is that that desire to become much more sophisticated in terms of energy users, you know, having someone like you to be able to provide the, the services, the consulting, whatever, to help them meet whatever those sustainability targets are. Is that about right? It's a large part of it, Casey. We are seeing ourselves increasingly in roles where we're helping or consulting with these large national companies to achieve their carbon reduction goals through means that we know. Renewable energy, of course, is a big part of that. But it's also investing in forests. It's investing in how we uh, handle our waste streams. All of that uh, goes to the energy bottom line, which is, and the carbon bottom line. So yes, it's a big part of it. And a lot of businesses need our help in that regard. Alden, I want to talk about this new book, Energy Independence, the Individual Pursuit of Energy Freedom. What is energy freedom? Energy freedom is essentially taking your energy matters in your own hands. You have the flexibility to choose where and how you use your energy. It's not eliminating energy use. It's giving yourself choices in how to use energy. And we actually entitled the book originally Energy Freedom. When the war broke out in the Ukraine, something popped up in our head and that we we came to the conclusion that it's not just us that have to be worried about energy freedom. It's the entire world that has to be worried about it. Energy independence, which is the rallying call in this country. Remember Thomas Jefferson, the Declaration of Independence. Energy independence helps us help the rest of the world wean itself off of fuels and fossil energy that comes from nations that may not be playing ball with the rest of the world, if you get what I'm saying. That's why we entitled it energy independence. Make us energy independent so that we have more energy freedom and energy flexibility, and the rest of the world does too. Casey, I had an op-ed in the AJC on Earth Day talking in part about the fact that solar customers on the Georgia Power system are still buying about the same amount of energy that they were buying before they became a solar customer.
customer. Maybe it's because they've got that EV in the garage now. In a way, they have become relatively energy independent. Solar is definitely something that we see a lot of interest in, right? And and in Georgia, it's been growing uh, like crazy here. And the ability to, as Alden says, have a little bit more choice in terms of where your energy is coming from, how it's used, things like that, right? You, you put solar on, you say, hey, maybe I do get an EV, right? Because I've got the extra power and I want to drive on sunshine. Or, you know, maybe you make the choice to say, hey, I'm going to shift my usage to where, you know, I'm producing a lot of energy. And, and that's your choice, right, as an individual. You know, uh, we had a previous speaker talking about how difficult it is for people to be able to take advantage of some of this. And I tell people all the time, Alden, that you can get a use Nissan Leaf, very cheap. A 13 or 14 that has relatively low miles. You can buy that car for $5,000, $6,000. They're very reliable. They have only a third of the parts that other ones, other cars have because EVs don't have antifreeze. They don't have oil. They don't have transmission fluid. So they are much simpler to maintain. And I look at the three of us here. All of us have tried this technology and all of us have tried to help others experience it. You know, whether it's in Africa, whether it's on Sapelo Island, uh, or whether it's at a camp in North Carolina for children, we've all tried to help. You're just giving away Norway's secret there about the Nissan Leafs. They've achieved 85% EV conversion because they've been buying up all our old uh, Nissan Leafs here in this country. That said, a lot of people misunderstand. The cost of EVs are nothing like what you've heard in the papers. Uh, Exactly right. I bought my EV for well under 30,000 brand new and I was a and I'm, I drive it everywhere it's just fantastic uh, the, the the flexibility of being able to buy an EV virtually every car maker offers one two or several models of them and then we just had today Ford announced that they're shipping uh, their uh, F-150 Lightning pickup truck and of course you know that we are courting uh, Rivian to build their pickup truck EV truck company here in Georgia the transition is happening now it's exciting and I got to tell you that if I think about Georgia's future, it's a clean energy future, and it's a clean energy built on EV technology. That's the most exciting thing about it. How can folks find out on the internet about Sterling Planet? Uh, www.sterlingplanet.com and of course through the Greencom, www.greencom.io. Hey, thanks for being on Energy Matters today at Pont City Market on Earth Day. Thank you, Tim. What a wonderful day. Thank you. Hey, we'll be back in just a minute with Mark Jensen. Hey, yeah, we've got a studio audience here. You're listening to Energy Matters. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles, back on Energy Matters at Pont City Market, Atlanta Green Market. My co-host, Casey Boyce, as always, from Decatur. Yeah, it's great to be here with you, Tim, and enjoying this beautiful day with the folks that have come out to hear from us. Casey, we're not too far from you over there uh, in, in, in Decatur at your house. 
Yeah, and you know, we built the house in 2008 with the idea of being as environmentally responsible as possible. And you know, we got a good amount of press at the time because we wanted it to be a showcase of how you can live a green life and not have it be weird. Um, it, it's a normal looking house from the outside and the inside. It just happens to be a lot more sustainable and energy efficient. The thing that's really cool, Tim, is leading edge as the house was at that time. It's kind of what people are building today. So you know, 10 years later uh, or so, you know, we've we've caught up with that so it's great to see mark uh, tell me how neutral came into existence and what you guys do so neutral is a minority veteran-owned company and we came into existence because me and my one of my good friends cj my co-founder he uh he was going through the startup process with me and we go through these valleys of death and there's problems and so we were like we were making all these contacts at atdc over at georgia tech and you know hanging out with bill nutsey and other guys like that and so it was just uh it was kind of karma. It came together, and so we got four guys on our team, and we're deploying the technologies of tomorrow. You heard Alden talking about his faith, and me talking about mine, and how it's a part of uh, a part of what motivates us, and that's the same for you as well. For sure, uh, my family came here in 1621 uh, on my mom's side uh, from England, and some of our founding family members were ministers that came. And uh, I grew up in the Disciples of Church Christ, uh, Disciples of Church church and uh ronald reagan was one garfield was one um but yeah uh, i think it's time for a fifth great awakening in american religious history and thought i work with a lot of evangelicals like you i work with a lot of atheists i lived in india and all over the world and so i think that's what's beautiful about america is we're not i married a greek girl and they have the greek orthodox church but historically that was you know tied to politics it was the state and the church and so my point is is he brought up jefferson so jefferson in the constitution wanted to say life liberty and the pursuit of happiness is sacred but benjamin franklin because he knew the jurisprudence of native americans here he changed it to self-evident and so i think understanding that this country is for everybody and we gotta love everybody and that's what makes us strong and that's what makes us better than China. When you think about the crisis in Ukraine right now uh, going on, uh, Elon Musk all in the news about his uh, attempt to buy Twitter, of course his rockets, the little boxes that he drops out, the Starlink system. We've talked about it on the show before, but you guys are involved with helping get Starlink over to Ukraine and working with hospitals in eastern Ukraine. Yeah, so we work with a couple different companies on the West Coast uh, and in Louisiana. And so we work with a company called New Use Energy. The CEO is Paul Shmodaloka, great guy. Uh, his deployment team is a nonprofit called Footprint Project. They've done uh, Texas uh, ice storms. They got the 911 center in Houston back up and running with the help of Richard Burt. And then uh, we did um, a lot of other projects, hurricanes, the Kentucky tornadoes, we can do entertainment, anything off grid. So we do mobile generators. And so in Ukraine, our the product over there, uh, we retooled it for their energy uses. But uh, yeah, it's doing Starlink. We're doing, we have a picture in there from a Ukrainian hospital on the Eastern Front. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a crazy situation. We hit um, on all fronts to help the Ukrainians and um, we love them and um, we hope to help them in whatever way we can. You know, connectivity has become such an important part of life and in Georgia, it's amazing to me that we cannot get people connected to the internet and kids still have to go to McDonald's in certain parts of our state to do their homework. We just got to we just got to solve this problem. This is not rocket science. This is not, you know, the you know the, the Musk rocket going up, dropping out satellite boxes. Now, that may be a part of the solution, but we just simply have to do better because connectivity is is it's the new new electricity of the day. I would agree uh, wholeheartedly. And um, connectivity is what sets us apart from autocratic regimes. So the ability for us to interconnect and talk to evangelicals and atheists and whoever, that puts us in a position where we can understand different viewpoints, whereas Putin will take people and try to isolate them so they don't know what information is real. And well, on the infrastructure front, you're talking about the rural versus urban divide, right? And so there's problems in rural Georgia and in urban Georgia. And so how do you address that issue? There's a lot of different issues, but the great thing about Wi-Fi, it's way easier to build than aqueducts. Casey, uh, I mean, not that we all have a right to watch Netflix, because I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of wholesome stuff going on there, but certainly 
getting that degree, finishing school, uh, watching our church service. There's a whole bunch of very positive things that we can do and need to get people connected. Yeah, absolutely. And we certainly saw that when, um, you know, COVID first emerged and everyone was back at home, right? I mean, kids were at home logging on to do their schoolwork. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, right? You know, if they have to, if they don't have Wi-Fi at home, they have to go to the McDonald's or to the library or whatever. And that's, that can be really disruptive. Mark, you you mentioned the, the product that you've got over here and I see some solar panels, but maybe you can kind of describe for our audience, like what is it that you guys do? What is this thing over here? That's a question I'm asking myself, brother. <laughs> and so uh, we do all sorts of stuff. So we do mobile microgrids. So those are trailers, either five by eights or seven by 14s that have solar panels on them, big batteries in them. They have solar tents on them and then little handheld devices. So when a natural disaster breaks out, EMSs, EMAs are scrambling and they're getting people with oxygen concentrators, CPAPs, other medical devices, but we can just drop off a handheld battery. They're good for five days. So that it streamlines emergency service responses. Um, but yeah, we're doing like food trucks. We're doing my friend Rocky Buldo over here. He's my um, the guy that taught me everything, and uh, he's a little bit of a crazy eclectic dude. But that's you know that's people that make change. And like how you said in 2008 with your house, it was crazy. You know, and he was doing stuff in 2008 with NASCAR and UPS. And so um, yeah, we're big fans of direct current nano grids and micro grids. And uh, but yeah, and we love working with people like Elon. Uh, we have other. People worry about Elon with Twitter and all this other stuff, but the beauty of open and free societies, there's a plenty of billionaires. He might be the biggest one at this day and hour, but I know a lot of billionaires that are cool with uh, competing against Elon, and I would say that's the same with religion in America. The ability to have competition is what creates the best answers for human souls. Casey, um, there's a lot of talk about microgrids especially in other states. I like to think that our grid here in Georgia is very reliable. It's the most important thing to me as a regulator. That's not the case in every state, and microgrids are being rolled out by Snyder Electric and others, Siemens, who are attempting to help states maybe that are having some serious trouble. Well, let me just first say, uh, and I'm stealing a phrase from a group up in New York, but microgrids are dope. But in terms of the value of microgrids, I mean, the the reality is, even though we've got a fairly reliable grid here in Georgia, there are still times that the power goes out, right? A tree falls down, you know, high winds knock out a transmission line, equipment failure, whatever it is, right? And there are these uses that really are critical, right? So it could be public safety facility, it could be a hospital, um, you know, it could be a government facility, something like that. And having the ability to immediately island those uh, uses and for that area to be able to kind of generate and manage its own power grid so that they don't get knocked offline is really important for kind of continuity. And even residential customers are really interested in this idea of resilience. We're seeing, you know, a big increase in the sales of batteries, big increase in the sales of generators. And certainly you can do that on an individual level, what, you know, people might call him a nano grid, but you can also do that on a neighborhood level. Mark, coming back to you about microgrids, uh, and then I want to talk about the supply chain that's being generated by the Rivians, the Qcells, uh, the Kias, these other larger companies. Yeah, from a national security perspective is what I look at this from. And um, yeah, we can do microgrids all day. So we work with groups like Enphase, Ford Foundation, Sunrun. Uh, they can design, finance, engineer pro- microgrids in a heartbeat um we've done microgrids in puerto rico and other places um but yeah i mean islanding is great and it works but i think the grid is something that holds society together as well and so um i'm all for solar panels and batteries and houses right and um but uh if you look at how our country was formed and the interstate highway system in 55 with eisenhower and other things we're not capable as a country right now of doing massive infrastructure projects as states we are so that's cool but the problem with all these factories here in georgia it's great but they're with a certain chemistry of battery and there's eight gigafactories being built in the united states right now they're all for evs but from a national security perspective we need battery factories that make other battery chemistries and we're looking at columbus georgia the old Exide battery factory down there to get that up and running you know, we're, the car I'm driving today has a lithium-ion battery. It's a 2017 Chevrolet Volt. Do you know what kind of lithium? Yeah. So 
Uh, no, no, I'm not a chemist, uh, but I'm glad you are. Um, but there's lithium titanate, there's iron phosphate. I know that there's, I can use a lot of fancy words describing the batteries coming along, but clearly it's evolving. Yeah, and that's the beautiful thing. It's like, uh, it's it's globally. So we work with teams in Europe and India and even China um, and so and the Aussies. So look, most U batteries and EVs are li lithium, nickel, magnesium, cobalt. And there's a lot of problems with that from supply chain issues to runaway heating to a lot of different things. It's like, how do you put out a car fire on 285? You got to bring in a big 40-foot container and drop in a Tesla and cool it down. From an infrastructure, from other areas, there's problems for sure. Good luck in all you're doing. And thanks for uh, the great work you're doing over in Ukraine. Appreciate you being on Energy Matters today. Thank you for the invite. Hey, it's Tim Eccles. We'll be back with another segment in just a minute. Thanks to our live audience here at Pond City Market. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org. Tim Eccles from Marlin Gas Services. In addition to supplying natural gas in emergency situations, Marlin Gas Services provides temporary fuel supply during planned pipeline maintenance and other scheduled outages, or to help customers meet code compliance. Customers include large companies, utilities, commercial businesses, industrial facilities, and even the Weston Hotel and Convention Center in Savannah when that pipe was busted under the Savannah River. Visit MarlinGas.com to learn more. That's MarlinGas.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back here at Pont City, Atlanta Green Market. You heard me talk just in the last segment about Mercedes-Benz Stadium and what they're doing. They're really the gold standard on how to handle materials. And Dawn is here. They've got their own display. Dawn, welcome to Energy Matters. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's no easy thing to take all of that glass and all of that plastic and all that material. Because I've been down in the belly of the beast and seen all the work that goes on to sort all that out. I mean, you guys spend a lot of money, a lot of effort and time trying to do the right thing. Yeah, we're committed um, from building the stadium. We got LEED Platinum certification, a lot of amazing green infrastructure into that um, building, a water reclamation program, all of our solar panels. And then the most important thing that we focus on is our waste diversion. We make sure that we're committed to sorting all of those waste streams and then getting them to the right places, whether that is Novellus and our aluminum, Charm for some of those hard to recycle materials like glass and wood and, and metal and then also most importantly our food waste. So we send all of our compostables, all of our food waste away and then it comes back to us in organic soil form and it goes into our on-site urban garden. So we're trying to create those circular systems, making sure that we're diverting waste properly and doing it the right way. You know, when you think about companies, and we've got a lot of successful companies, a lot of Fortune 500 companies in Atlanta, it seems like if a company is going to be successful with sustainability, they simply have to spend staff hours, money. It has to be a part of their plan, almost a part of their DNA. Yeah, it is woven into the culture of who we are. Every single day, from our associates to our game day um, folks, to how we're educating our community on how they can do the right thing at their homes, schools, and offices, it's it's really an everyday, Earth Day is everyday sort of um, culture, and it's it's our core value. We lead by example. We innovate continuously. It's it's part of who we are, and, and because we are such a, a prominent brand in Atlanta, we can 
lead that charge and then show other people how they can play their part too. You know, we've got some significant buildings that have different LEED certifications. We've got the NCR building, the double platinum LEED, uh, probably the only one of its kind east of the Mississippi. We've got the Candida building on the Georgia Tech campus, a living building, and your facility, a platinum LEED facility, and to be such a big facility, to get that designation, that was no easy thing. No, it was not. And we can say um, it really was attributed to our leadership. Having Arthur um, Blank committed to achieving the highest level of certification and every single decision along that path was intentional. It was purposeful and a commitment to it from the start is how we got there. And then everything that has transpired since getting that certification, our journey to zero waste, making sure that we're lessening our carbon footprint, whether that's through energy usage, water usage. We actually found out this year we um, uh, the water reclamation system was built to conserve water about 50%. We've actually outperformed that designer and are conserving by 75%. So even though those decisions were made in the very beginning, because of all of what we're doing now in our processes and our systems, we're actually doing even better than what the path was set out to do. Let's talk about that water for just a second, because I've been to the United Practice Facility, that beautiful glass building that has all of the mini splits in it. It's just it's an incredible energy efficiency, energy efficient building. Thomas Videcki, building manager out there, showed me their cistern, right? And so they, he said they hadn't bought a single gallon of city water to water the soccer field since they've been around. They're using that runoff water. And you guys are doing the same thing down there at the stadium. Yeah, so if you've ever been into our stadium on a hot August day and you get that burst of cold energy or cold air conditioning, that's being powered through that reclaimed water. So um, through our cooling towers, we reuse that water through all of our irrigation around the exterior of the building. And then we have a 1.1 million gallon vault underneath that actually helps capture stormwater runoff and is alleviating flooding from our west side community. Really intentional societal um, problem that we were able to help alleviate as we were building and constructing this design um, lead platinum. It's crazy to think that we are taking treated city water and watering things with it when we have all of this water that we simply need to collect, slightly clean, and reuse. I mean, to me, that is almost a no-brainer. Absolutely. And, and when we think, and when I when I educate through our education program, our students, when you think about natural material, natural resources, energy, water, these things that are free to us from Mother Nature that we can capture and use to better our environmental footprint and be good stewards of the earth, it's really a matter of rethinking how we can do that and, and leveraging um, new innovation and, and how um, you know these new companies and these new organizations are creating solutions. We have to go out and find them and incorporate them into our facilities. I'm an anchor member at the aquarium. I go there a lot and I know in their evaluation, in what they are trying to do, there's an educational element and they want people who are patrons to get what they're doing in regards to, in regards to their mission. Have you guys talked about this at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? And I mean, you've got people coming there for entertainment, right? They're coming there to watch the Falcons. They're coming there to watch the United. Um, but yet what you're doing with their waste is something constructive. Is it important for them to know that, for them to move along in their progress in this, or is it just an impossible thing? No, we actually educate through several different ways. Our in-game experience, our Halo board, we have videos that come out um, that talk about um, how you can be zero waste, and then also through our STEM educational program. So we actually bring students in, um, all all grades, all the way up to college, and even um, corporate uh, groups as well and show them through sustainability tours how what we have done and how they can play their part in their companies, schools, businesses, and homes. You know, I think young people who have these permanent water bottles, I think they get it more than their parents and grandparents do because they are used to carrying these around, filling them up. There's now uh, water fountains that are designed for this. They seem to have a greater commitment than their grandparents did. Oh, that's 100% true. I have students all of the time that are um, challenging um, us to be better, and, and especially in the food waste environment. Composting isn't something that is a part of our municipality. It's not part of something that we do residentially, um, but it should be. It should be. Food waste is 80 times more potent with the methane gas coming out of the landfills. And if we want to be innovative and lead, lead by example for the next generation, I think composting and food waste is a really a, a 
focus area for all of us. And we see that happening with our students. We see that happening with the next generation. They are looking for the composting systems and they are trying to push that needle. We have a couple of colleges involved with composting. Georgia College, we've had them on the radio before. They take all of their cafeteria leftover food. They take it out to the composting area. I've been there. Uh, they're, they're turning that. They've got the piles. And then they're bringing it back on campus and using it in their shrubbery gardens, in their flower beds. It seems like colleges really need to be teaching this. With service learning, as popular as it is and required at the University of Georgia, as a matter of fact, having students learn how to handle waste would benefit our society for generations. Oh, absolutely. And we actually have uh, event day ambassadors through, it's, it's like a volunteer program. Ambassadors is what we call them. But they come in and it's 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 students, it's Georgia Tech, it's Georgia State, um, and also other green environmental groups that come in. They volunteer they go through the motions they see what we do they put their hands on the waste you know all of that is part of that educational piece and making sure that we're including everyone in this process because we're all learning together collectively as a society and as humans how to be better and I think it's important especially for the next generation for them to learn as soon and as early as possible so that they can start to be the change makers I had a chance to travel to a football game in Seattle as well as in LA part of my weekend was spent with their sustainability director in the belly of the beast of their particular stadium. And I found out that there's kind of a network of these NFL and Major League Soccer uh, sustainability directors who are all kind of encouraging each other and doing the same thing. We are called the Green Sports Alliance. That is us. Yeah. And actually, we are part of the Green Sports Alliance. Um, We actually hosted the conference um, a few years ago. And um, myself and Andrew, who's here today, our, our sustainability coordinator, and a couple of others, will be actually be attending the conference in Minnesota this year. So we, again, it's a collective. We're all in this together and being facilities, major brands, sports organizations, bringing people together at the scale of 74,000, 81,000 people, we can set the example and then also encourage our communities to do the same thing. Yeah. How can folks find out more about these kind of green habits? What would you recommend that they do? I would say, um, I mean, we have a great resource guide at our our sustainability page on Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Um, and then also just assign, sort of looking out into your community, seeing what's there, seeing how you can be involved. Being hands-on and really getting out and volunteering is the best way to, to learn more and to really understand the processes and how you can play your part. You know, even as a commissioner regulating energy for the state of Georgia with my colleagues, I have found that I needed to do exactly that. I need to go to the belly of the beast of these stadiums. I need to go to the power plant. I need to put solar on my house. I need to drive the electric vehicle. I need to do all of that so that I can understand it so I can help people themselves maybe take the next step that they want to take. Yeah, I mean, I will say in building Mercedes-Benz Stadium and while we were on our journey for LEED Platinum certification, I also at my home started harvesting rainwater, had had my own garden installed. All of the things that I'm learning um, along with my as my as my career is evolving I'm also adapting into my home environment because I know that it's working I know that it's it's something that is going to continue to move the needle and being an environmental steward myself thanks for being on energy matters today I appreciate it thank you thanks for coming to the event one more segment uh, and then I've got to do my own session out at the amphitheater you're listening to energy matters You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters, made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Jims have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. 
Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back. One more segment at the Atlanta Green Market, Ponce. City Market with Matt Hestead of the Georgia Forestry Association. You've heard him on the show before. Matt, you're too young to remember this, but this used to be a Sears store here, and I would come over here and buy stuff, fishing poles, other stuff. Yeah. No, this is a great, great sustainability story that Jamestown has redeveloping this building. Uh, They're actually building a mass timber uh, uh, multi-use building here next to Ponce, so another great opportunity for us to tell the story of Georgia's working forest, the sustainability aspects, clean water, clean clean air, wildlife habitat, and of course the sustainable products that we use every day. Let's define mass timber for our our audience. What is it? So mass timber is an engineered wood product that we use uh, in uh, construction of uh, multi-use buildings and now increasingly in taller uh, buildings. So it's dimensional lumber uh, that's uh, either adhered via nails, uh, dowels, or glue uh, that has the ability to replace uh, steel and concrete. And that's important because it helps us draw down the carbon footprint of that building just by switching the building material. I often tell people that trees eat CO2 for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and that our our forest, uh, even our trees that we are cutting for saw timber and then replanting, all of this is really helpful to grab CO2. 100 percent. So Uh, Georgia is covered with about 22 million acres of uh, working forests. So those are privately owned forests that are sequestering carbon through photosynthesis as they grow. Like you said, they eat carbon for uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, convert that to energy so that they can grow. Um, The important part about that is they store that carbon in the wood fiber for the life of the product. So even after you sever that tree, convert it to lumber, that lumber has has carbon that is baked into it. 50% of the dry weight of lumber is carbon. And so, uh, once again, even if you're talking about paper products, wood products, displacing that carbon by just switching your material is a big deal. I've been a big proponent for biomass energy here in Georgia, my colleague Jason Shaw as well, and we've, over the years, approved a a certain amount of megawatts for biomass energy and oftentimes it's waste product it's slash it's coming out of the field maybe the limbs the tops of trees that then get that then get chipped by a chipping crew and they're they're taken to a plant like west rock or procter and gamble and actually produce an energy where the ash from that then becomes a soil supplement i don't i can't think of anything in our state more sustainable than forestry oh yeah absolutely and um we always like to say forestry was uh, sustainable before that word was even invented and so uh, whether it's growing and harvesting trees or the manufacturing process we figured out how to eliminate waste Uh, some of the greatest business minds uh, have worked on this for generations and they've learned how to use every single part of the tree whether that's producing the product or cultivating that biomass product that you can use to create energy. So we're doing it already in our facilities, paper mills, 
through the byproduct of the manufacturing product process, they are producing energy for our communities in the process. Sawmills as, as well. As you're cutting that dimensional lumber, the sawdust that comes off, the chips that come off, all of that stuff can be used for energy. And so we're thankful for to you and to Jason Shaw and the Public Service Commission for recognizing that and uh, advancing uh, biomass uh, energy here in the state. And you know what? We're advancing sustainability in Germany and the UK as well because we have wood pellets, different than wood chips, being manufactured in our state, loaded up uh, on the Savannah River on ships, taken to, to Liverpool, unloaded, taken to Selby, and they have replaced coal with wood pellets from Georgia in some instances. And you know, Matt, when they do that, they turn off two of the scrubbers that they used to have to run for coal. That tells you how much cleaner it is to burn uh, those wood pellets than coal. Absolutely. Um, so we we in the South, we're doing forestry sustainably. We grow 48% more wood than we harvest every year. So I like to say uh, it's like going and getting a haircut getting that haircut and walking out of the barber shop with 48% more hair than you walked in with. And uh, I don't know about for you, but that'd be a problem for me. So we have to find ways to leverage this uh, forest product over time. It's a great sustainability story. Um, we have a couple of pellet manufacturers, as you said, who are exporting wood products uh, to other countries and doing that still in a sustainable way that helps them draw down their, their carbon footprint. And I think we could do even more domestically. So. You know, coal is going away. Uh, you know, the coal mines are closing. Georgia Power really wants to eliminate these plants by 2035. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, given that we have electric cars coming that are quite thirsty for electricity. So we may be we may be getting out ahead of our skis a little bit on that. But do you anticipate? Georgia Forestry Association and foresters and the timber that we have continuing to be a part of our energy grid? Absolutely. Um, there are groups right now that are looking about looking at how do you use wood to create uh, sustainable aviation fuels. And so, you know, in the future, I think that could translate to automobiles. I think it could translate over to airplanes and other uh, vehicles as well. Uh, the sky is the limit in terms of what we can do with that product. Uh, and our scientific you know, uh, basis here in Georgia with the University of Georgia, Georgia Tech, uh, Emory, and other places, um, those, those guys are the best people in the country to be doing this work. And so uh, I'm excited for the future, and I know having leaders uh, at the state level and at the federal level that can help us advance that product is going to be even more important in the future. Recently, President Biden was in the state of Washington talking about forestry. And I, you know, as I think about the West Coast and how they have done things different than us, how they've had more fires, less prescriptive burns, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they ought to take a lesson from Georgia. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a different landscape out there. The uh, the terrain, the topography makes it much harder to manage timber uh, there. In addition, uh, kind of urban sprawl has brought the city to the forest, uh, where in a way that makes it really hard to manage that timber because uh, you know it's it's so close to the city and nobody wants to wake up on a Saturday morning and breathe in a big old air, big old breath of smoke. But what it's resulted in is 40 years of not managing that timber, uh, reducing harvesting operations, reducing prescribed fire that's been on the, on the ground in our country since uh, the Native Americans did it uh, way back in the day. And so uh, uh, we do have a great story to tell here, uh, but I'm not envious of anybody who has to manage timber on the West Coast. It's a, it's a different story. I go to Jekyll Island a lot. In fact, I've just finished a book called John Mark of Jekyll. It'll be out in August, uh, a historical fiction book. Um, but Ben Carswell, the sustainability director for Jekyll, oversees prescribed burns there on Jekyll. Uh, and 
He said it's important to get that stuff off the forest floor. I mean, what do you tell people when they say, why are you doing these burns? So I, I, I think it's important to take a step back and understand the since the 1930s, we've been looking at how to scientifically manage forests. Um, when we when we come in and do a prescribed fire, our primary objective is to reduce the understory fuel that builds up into an uncontrollable fire. And so you could you could really start to understand that when you think about how you build a campfire, right? You take a match to your big log, that's not going to start a fire. You could hold that match there for as long as you wanted to and probably burn your fingertips in the process. But if you take little kindling and light that on fire and then take some smaller sticks and stack it on top of that and then stack your big wood on top of that, you're, you're resulting in, you know, kind of that big uh, enjoyable campfire. Translate that to a forest, you know, your understory catches on fire, all those little shrubs, uh, uh, invasive species, uh, little sticks and stuff like that that... Uh, catches on fire really easily that catches your next level of growth on fire and then once it gets up into the canopy it's kind of game over so we can remedy that by uh, adjusting that level of fuel on the ground wow that that made it simple and understandable how can folks find out more about gfa Visit us at Georgia Forestry uh, Association, our, our website, gfagrow.org. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We have a nonprofit foundation, the Georgia Forestry Foundation, that's also out here at Pont City Market today with our friends from Georgia Tech, the Georgia Forestry Commission, Trust for Public Land, Trees Atlanta, Georgia Public Broadcasting. Um, we're proud to be out here with all of these conservation groups telling the good word about working for us and uh, what they do for our daily lives. So come see us uh, and talk to us, and we'd love to, we'd love to see you guys. Hey, thanks for being on Energy Matters today. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Hey, and that's a wrap. We're Pont City Market, Atlanta Green Market, Earth Day, a fantastic time out here today. You just heard Matt from the Georgia Forestry Association. Hey, everybody, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time on Energy Matters. Hello, island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for anyone. Learn more at k12.com.